Up next on Inside the SCCA, Thunderhill Super Tour Preview. Welcome to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Volansky. Tonight, we're talking about the Hoosier Racing Tire SCCA Super Tour coming up this weekend at Thunderhill. I'll be there with Larry McLeod. Lefty and I are going to bring all the coverage to you from Thunderhill this weekend. And as we have been doing all season long, we've got a special guest today who knows a little bit about Thunderhill. Joining us right now is our good friend, Jim Devonport. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. That's great to hear. Great to hear. Welcome. And uh, I, I appreciate you taking some time. I know you're about ready to get on the road to go up to Thunder Hill right now. Um, so we'll get to that in just a minute. First of all, I start every podcast the same way, and that is with a simple question. Um, how did you get messed up in this crazy sport that we love? <laughs> That's a good one. You know, I was always kind of a motorhead when I was in uh, high school and college. In fact, I autocrossed Corvairs. That was kind of my first competitive thing. But uh, I attended Laguna Seca multiple times. And uh, I was there in 1973 when Mark Donahue ran the 917.30 and just crushed the field at Laguna. I watched him come through the corkscrew. I sat there on the fence. And I vowed then and there, someday I was going to race cars. And, uh, you know, it was a big delay. You start a life and a career. And... Uh, didn't get my shot till I was 50 years old and uh, went to a Skip Barber race school at Laguna Seca with my son, by the way. My wife gave it to uh, my son and I as kind of a father-son bonding experience. I think he was 18 at the time. And I uh, did that, uh, enjoyed it immensely, and uh, vowed at that point in time I was going to continue on with that. And uh, bought a Spec Racer Ford, had it built, and uh, started in and, uh, 17 years ago. So here we are. So what did you do between Laguna Seca and Mark Donahue and 17 years ago? <laughs> Built a career yeah. and basically uh, hopefully made enough money I can keep racing the rest of my life now. I always think about uh, Roger Penske. So, someone asked him, how do you become a, a rich race car driver, race car owner? And he says, you start by being a filthy rich race car owner. So... <laughs> um, so, so my story is similar. I, I went to Road America in 85 and saw Jeff Brabham in the IMSA GTP Nissan. And that's where I discovered racing and cars. And then my dad uh, was uh, involved back in the 60s, then got back involved. And, and the rest is, as they say, history. So um, what, what is it about um, that got you? You said you went to Spec Racer. Well, was it Spec Racer Ford at that point, or was it still Sports Renault? No, it was Spec Racer Ford. Okay. Uh -huh. um, when you got into that, what was what was the reason for choosing that first? You know, I, I went up to Thunder Hill. I did the Skip Barber Race School in there. I think they called their thing Formula Dodge or something like that. And then I went and did another race weekend at Sonoma in uh, the Jim Russell Formula Mazda cars. So then after that, I decided, well, it's time to you know, kind of look further into a situation to get a car. I went up to Thunder Hill, spent the weekend there just kind of watching, observing, and saw the spec racers go around. It appealed to me as open cockpit. It was a purpose-built race car, had big fields. Uh, the fact that it was, you know, a spec car, so 
basically put the premium on driver talent. I feel I felt that at that point you could find out whether you were any good or not. You didn't have to have a whole lot of investment in the car and all that stuff. So that's what attracted me to it. As soon as I started doing it, within a few months, I liked it so much I went ahead and bought an FE at the time too. So I started going uh, the double and did that basically for seven years, running Spec Racer Ford and FE, and had uh, a moderate amount of success in it. Uh, ultimately, decided I wanted to try some endurance racing and bought my first Norma. Okay, and that was to run. Uh, NASA was running some endurance events on the West Coast here, and did that. I did a few of them, but I realized quickly I didn't like, you know, running 80, 90 percent, all about saving the car. I really liked all out, going all out, 30 minutes going all out. The sports racer, like, you know, these P1 cars, that's a physical challenge because those things generate, you know, free G's and uh, they're fast. And uh, to give it everything you've got, it's it's pretty physically taxing. So that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at now. It's funny because when I started, I always told people, like, this is before the advent of the internet where you could watch races and, and in-car video. You know, we had big video cameras that were the size of my head. Um, when I went to say, what's a sports Renault? That was what I started in. I'm like, well, it's kind of like a mini prototype car. Um, and because it kind of had that look to it. Um, what's, there's really little to compare other than kind of body style, right? Between the Spec Racer Ford and the P1 cars. Yeah, just simply a sports racer, but uh, one's at one end of the spectrum and the other one's at the uh, total opposite end. But, the, you know, the quality of the driving in the spec racer fields is still really phenomenal. You know, guys like John Block and Dennis Dripling and the Harrises. And I mean, it's it's pretty spectacular. I haven't hopped in one for a couple of years now, but every once in a while I'd get back in one and I go run and could still, you know, wheel it around pretty decently. but. The problem is I would tend to overdrive it, try and make it do things, you know, like P1 car could do, and, and it's not going to happen. So Sure. Uh, so w what did you learn in, let's start with Spec Racer Ford, that you're able to then take to the Formula Enterprises car and now to the P1 car? All about smoothness, carrying momentum, you know, and that's where, uh, in my opinion, everybody that starts out racing in SCCA, they should either have to start in a Formula Ford or a Spec Racer Ford. I see so many people that, you know, maybe they're getting up in age and they go, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to pay my dues. And they'll buy a car and they'll never get up to speed because they never learned the basics of how to drive these things. And uh, so that's the biggest thing in, in those spec classes, especially Spec Racer Ford, where you know, smoothness and being able to carry momentum through the corners is what those cars are all about. You know, you can't, you can't lift, can't make big mistakes, or you'll never, you know, never be at the front. Yeah, I, I tell the same thing to parents who come up to me and say, I want to get my kid involved in racing, you know, and maybe they've got a year or two in carts, or maybe they don't have any experience at all, and uh, they want to go right into an F2000 or something like that. And I, and I try to convince people, that if you, you're wasting your money to go right into that because you won't know what you're doing there and you'll you'll learn more in just even one season in Formula Ford or Formula V or Spec Racer Ford, you'll learn all of that foundation and fundamentals that will help you actually get more out of your next season when you get to one of those more high house horsepower cars. Yeah, I agree entirely. So... From Spec Racer 4 to FE, FE, I guess it wasn't an FE2 at that point. Um, how was that jump? 
Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, I had many times where I'd be back to back. I'd finish one, have to hop out on grid and hop in the other one. And it, it never gave me any problems kind of going back and forth. Later in, uh, in 2016, after we won our first runoffs in the Norma, uh, they started messing with the rules and clipping my Norma back. And in fact, for a while there, we didn't even have a car to run because we, you know, they, they stripped it back so badly and said we had to run an SIR, which we couldn't put on the car. So I actually bought a Spec Racer Ford again and an FE that we were one of the first to convert it over to FE2, you know, to the new motor and the new transmission. So I actually got back and running them again and uh, found it uh, just as challenging and just as fun. But the problem was when I would try and run, uh, you know, when, when we finally got the Norma sorted out, we were able to run it again. I found it very difficult to go from the Norma back in the Spec Racer Ford, say, in the same weekend. Okay. You know, I could, the, the differences in speed and cornering ability were so radical, it was hard to do in a weekend. I could do it when I just focused on it, you know, one car during the weekend, but it was hard to make that transition around. Is that because the braking points, the turn-in points, the, all of that were so much radically different between the two? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The Norma must have had great brakes. You go much deeper and obviously corners better, right? Yes, yes. Definitely. So now fast forward to your runoffs win. Um, how, how, tell me about that week. Well, it was pretty interesting. I, I uh, you know, ran regionally around here in the, in the spec ratio Ford and the FE, bought the Norma, did the endurance thing, then finally tried, decided to run it. At, uh, and I think it was still CSR at the time. It hadn't quite converted. Right. And I ran it for maybe a year or two and realized, wow, this car's good. I'm fast in it. And then they made the conversion to P1, and that was in 2014. And the runoffs were coming to the West Coast for the first time in forever at Laguna Seca, home track. I go, well, I guess now's my chance to uh, step up and try and do the runoffs. So we ran there at Laguna, and the podium finished third, second for a long time. Uh, let's see, Chris Farrell won. The Alexander got around me, finished second. I finished third. Uh, and I was stoked at that point. I was totally hooked. So. At that point, we started developing the Norma more. Uh, the next year in 15, we went to Daytona. I had a small field. I finished second, but we'd made a lot of progress in, in development of the car. And in 16, it was mid-Ohio. And so we actually bought a, a crate of a new Norma and Jason Holman at Bulldog Motorsports, assembled the car three months before the runoffs. We ran it at Laguna. We went back to mid-Ohio in a regional race smoked the field in that, then went back to the runoffs and uh, basically dominated the whole uh, runoffs event. Uh, put it on pole and uh, had an awesome, awesome uh, runoffs finish. And that was the biggest highlight at that point in time in my career. Was, we were pretty jazzed. And we were able to complete the super sweep at that, that particular event too. Sure, sure. So I see a bunch of hardware behind you. Is that the runoffs trophy over your right shoulder there? I've actually got those in a, in Scottsdale at a different place where I live, but the, the one over my right shoulder, that's a, a second from Indy okay. two years ago in 2021, the year Lee Alexander won. And the ones on the left are some Super Tour uh, trophies from this season. Cool. So I uh, thought I'd at least uh, put a little background for you. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about Indy for just a second. You know, I, I grew up, like a lot of people, watching the Indy 500 thinking to myself, that's not a place I'll ever get to, because at, at that point in time, the only race all year long 
The only thing they did at Indianapolis Motor Speedway was the month of May and the Indianapolis 500. And uh, then they did the Brickyard and all the things that added. Um, and then I saw this, you know, thing flashed across my screen, runoffs at Indy. And I'm thinking, you know, Lucas Motorsports Park, you know, which was IRP. And I, I, I had to wipe my tookus off the floor when I re read that SECA was going to race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, going through the tunnel, knowing you're going to drive at Indy, think, tell me what that moment was like. Yeah, no, I, was, I had gone to the 500 back uh, in uh, 2005 as a surprise 50th birthday party that uh, my wife uh, had a limo pull up and said, get in the car, we're going somewhere. I didn't know where until uh, we got in the airplane and landed there. So I'd been through the experience in the museum, but going there, knowing you're going to drive was a whole other level of excitement. And uh, it, it was it was pretty exhilarating, as you know. I mean, they got a thousand entries. It was phenomenal. You know, sure. by far the sure. most successful runoffs ever. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm assuming if they went back, you'd be there. Yeah, yeah, I'd go for the third time. I, I hear Roger uh, likes us and uh, would invite us back again. So uh, said the 17. That was my biggest disappointment at the runoffs. We went back there. We were on pole. We had the field covered. Had a big lead. I think it was 15 seconds or something. That was the year the fields were so big, they were nervous about getting it all done, and they paired us with the F-1000 cars. And that turned into be a disaster. They, we were so much quicker than them, but those things had pretty good acceleration. And as I was moving through the field and coming down to, uh, I can't remember which corner it is, but it's that complex right before you go onto the front straight. Yeah, 14, 15, I was trying yeah. to pass a guy on the outside. It was an F-1000 car. I don't think he knew I was there. He started squeezing me up against the wall. So I was sitting there looking at him, missed my break point. It went off in the grass and then stalled it and then had a heck of a time getting it started up. So anyway, it ended in a big disappointment. We charged back through the field, made it to the podium. Then we had a red flag that stopped the whole event. They couldn't get the timings. We still had plenty of time to finish the race. That had been a great spot, third with cars immediately ahead, but they couldn't get the timing system back up and had to call the race. Then we found out the next morning after the podium celebrations, they backed the event up one full lap, and that was right before I passed for third, so they took the podium away. So oh. it was just one disappointment after another. Biggest heartache I've ever had at the runoffs. Well, hopefully you'll get a chance to get back there. I, I, I know that uh, a lot of people would be rooting for a return trip to Indy. So, and uh, like you said, uh, Mr. Penske has a long, long history with the SCCA um, going way back into the day. So I, I, I would not be surprised if that gets back on the schedule here. Um, so let's do this. Um, the reason we got you here was to talk about Thunder Hill. And uh, I know you've got some time at that track. So let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll get into what it takes to go quick at Thunder Hill. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening and watching to Inside the SCCA right here on the Racing Network and the Racing Wire Podcast Network. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside the SECA. I'm Brian Belansky. Jim Devonport is our guest this evening. Uh, we are live, getting ready for our uh, Thunder Hill Super Tour. 
And uh, we're catching up with Jim and talking about all the fun he's had. We, before we get to Super Tour, one last question for you. You waited 17 years to start racing. Are you happy you did because you're able to really do it kind of full on because you had gotten a little deeper into life and you'd had the money to do it rather than trying to struggle through the first couple of years uh, if you'd really tried to go after it right out of high school or college? You know, that's a good question. I, I actually regret that I didn't attempt to do something earlier just for the experience, but I do appreciate the fact that now I can do it the way I like to do it. I mean, I've got a great crew with Jason and Bulldog and, and uh, you know, they prep the car. I mean, it's a big deal to these prototypes to prep them properly. So I don't do any wrenching. I just show up and drive. So I, I'm appreciative of the fact I'm able to do that this way now. Definitely. Definitely. All right, we're heading to Thunder Hill this weekend. It's kind of an interesting event. Um, it's going to be a little unusual for folks who are used to how we normally do super tours. Usually all the racing is on Saturday and Sunday. Sometimes there's some qualifying on Friday. But uh, this time we're going to qualify and race on Sunday, on, on, on Friday, and we're going to qualify and race on Saturday. And then there's a special uh, uh san francisco region event the western shootout on sunday so let's talk about first the, the super tour part of it um super tour is going to be on a couple versions of their shorter three three point something mile track right jim yes i think it's just under three or right at three right and uh, we'll run it the traditional way we normally do over the crow's nest and then uh, the unique twist is we're going to run the bypass on uh, saturday and that's the configuration run in the famous 25 Hours of Thunder Hill. And uh, we've never run it that way in our SCCA uh, regional events. So be a neat twist. It's a real thrill ride going over that thing. If you go off to the right side, you'll put the car airborne. So you have to uh, enter that bypass on the left side, get the car straight because it gets really light going over the, the rise there. So I think everybody appreciate it. Slight difference. And then the five-mile track on Sunday will is going to be – I, I enjoy it. Some people don't like it. You know, it's had to mix the two tracks together. So the connections between the tracks is a little bit different, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun, uh, fast flowing circuit through the backside there. Uh, not a lot of passing opportunities. So it's a chance for, you know, whoever it is to get, gain on somebody, put themselves in a position at passing zones or for the leader to stretch their lead out, so to speak. So uh, it'll be physically challenging and physically demanding to run that. So let's talk about the short courses first. What is the key to going fast at Thunder Hill? Well, same at any track. Entering onto the straightaways is the most important corners. Uh, there's a lot of passing zones on the three-mile track. So coming around 14 and 15 and entering the front straight, that's obviously one of the key areas. Good passing at the end of that front straightaway. Uh, actually, you can get a run and maybe not complete the pass into one, but complete it into two. You know, you come out of two, there's a brief moment there where you can actually pass uh, going into three. Uh, it's critical then to get through the crow's nest. Turn six is another fast corner that's very challenging to get through it quickly. And uh, then over uh, nine and coming down into 10 is another passing zone there. And then uh, getting through... Uh, 11 and 12, 13, and heading into the back straight creates another good passing opportunity going down into 14 off the back straightaway. So it's a very challenging course. Uh, I, I love it. I actually think it's got a lot of flowing uh, rhythm to it. 
good break zones. Also, it's safe. Not a lot of things to hit, you know, so like that. Uh, you can go off and get away with it. Yeah, definitely. And then when we switch it up for uh, for Saturday, how does that change the lap by using the bypass? Well, like I said, we've never run it before an SCCA competition, so I, it, I don't know. The only thing it does is uh, I, I think it'll work about the same way because you can't pass going into the crow's nest anyway, and you can't pass going over that bypass because okay. to pass somebody, you, you'd have to take that steeper version that would literally launch you in the air. So it's kind of single file through that bypass section. It's just going to be a little bit quicker. The delta should be about two seconds different between the two track configurations. Cool. And so the with the curls, it should be slower, right? Yes. Yeah, because you've got to slow down to make that little thing. And then, okay, I got you. I got you. Um, is there anything, um, any big problem areas on either, on, on that configuration where you're going to have to have like a throwaway corner to make something else work well? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. What else do we need to know if we're going there? Uh, let's see. You know, it's got plenty of paddock space. Uh, they've actually built a new store this year. I'm, I'm actually on the Thunder Hill track board. The San Francisco region owns the track, and uh, it's a separate entity. And uh, it, uh, it, it built a new store. I've uh, got not, lots of nice facilities there. Pavement's all in good shape. Track condition is still in excellent shape. Even though it hasn't been resurfaced, I think it's going on maybe 12, 15 years now, but the track condition is still quite good. So if it hasn't, is it real, is it slick or is there still some grip to it since it hasn't been? No, yeah, well? it's still got pretty good grip. And amazingly, we're having some rain locally right now and the weather's going to be a little bit dicey and temperatures are going to be in the high 60s. So if, if we can avoid damp conditions, the track will be exceedingly fast. Cloud cover, high 60s, it'll be fast. Now, if it rains off and on, that's a whole different animal, as we all know. You are at Buttonwiller, right? Yes. I think no matter what we get this weekend, it'll be better than what we had at Buttonwillow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the rain is not supposed to be buckets. Right. It'd just be drizzle and spitting and that type of thing. Yeah, it shouldn't be a washout by any stretch of the imagination. Um, talking about Sunday's event on the five-mile circuit, any, any particular fast way to get through that extra section, that extra two miles? <laughs> Uh, the uh, the biggest thing I think are the transitions going from the three mile to the five mile. You have these little connector stretches. Okay. And uh, those are a little bit tricky. So, you know, unfortunately, they're not going to get a whole lot of track time on it. The way as I understand it, they're going to do the uh, qualifying for the five mile is going to be your fastest time between the second qualify and the second super tour race. Then they'll do a 20-minute practice on the five-mile that will not be for qualifying position, but just simply for people to learn the track. Right. So uh, they'll, uh, that'll be drinking through a fire hose for people that have never been on that. So what you're saying is Sunday should be awfully interesting on our cameras. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel fortunate. I've, I've, we only run that event typically as our uh, regional final. We usually try and do a triple as our season finale. Well, we'll run uh, this last couple of years. They've run the two mile track, which was the original Thunder Hill track, then the three mile, which is the expanded version, and then they'd run the five mile for the third day. Got so it. we typically only run it once a year anyway. So nobody's got tons of track time. I think I've run that track maybe four times now total. Sure, sure. 
All right, so before we go to break, um, uh, I always ask this question since I'm going to Thunderhill. And uh, as you can tell, I am a, a guy who enjoys what happens after the racing is over. Um, wh- where do we go for dinner on Friday or Saturday night? Well, in uh, in the little town of Willows. I know, uh, by the way, if you're not uh, aware of it, at the track, they're doing dinner both Friday and Saturday oh, okay. night as, uh, as part of the event. Okay. I'm not sure what the menu is, but they're doing it both nights. Nice. Uh, outside of that, in Willows, there's... Uh, couple of Mexican restaurants, a Chinese restaurant. Uh, there's Nancy's at the airport. Uh, and then uh, Orland is a little town up the road, about oh, 10, 15 minutes. And Orland has several really nice steakhouse up there. Oh, good. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. And uh, it also has a deal that's uh, it's called like the, the honey bee or the honey patch or some darn thing. <laughs> And they've got bees in there, and a lot of the dishes have honey mixed in and stuff. So oh, okay. uh, I tried it last time I was up there, and it was quite good. All right, cool. All right, let's do this. Let's take another break, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Super Tours in general. We're going to do that when we come back. You're watching Inside the SCCA. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Inside the SECA, I'm Brian Polanski. Jim Devonport is our guest. We appreciate Jimmy coming on. I know this was a little bit of a last-minute thing, and I know you had to rework your schedule this evening to make that work, and we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Um, so real quick, as we get out of here, um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, some of the uh, interesting, how shall I say, um, situations during the Super Tours this year. Uh, we've had some crazy moments of weather. Uh, we've had some uh, races with um, some interesting driving decisions. Um, we've had a couple events with a lot of full course yellows. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on things like the green to checker initiative and um, some of the things we've dealt with this year on the super tour? Yeah. The green to checker initiative is a good one. Uh, you just hope uh, people would actually try and achieve that goal. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, the, all the super tours I've been involved in has been uh, Circuit of the Americas. And uh, we actually had quite a bit of green flag racing there. We did have some yellows, but we got to finish under green both races there, which is always half the fun, just being able to make it to the end and give it a, give it a run. And at Button Willow, we had all the rain challenges. But yet, amazingly, we made it work on that short little track. And our field, the field I was in, had a lot of cars. And uh, they ended up, uh, the second race ended up crashed out with the FC car. So I think what they need to do is really pay attention to how many cars are in certain run groups and, uh, you know, adjust them around, you know, move cars around if they need to, to make that happen. Uh, you know, we're paired typically with FE2s, FCs, FX, P1, P2. I think we have 26 cars entered in uh, the Thunder Hill event uh, coming up right that should be okay you know there's quite a bit of speed differential but the fcs to the p1 car we have five p1 cars five p2 cars but 26 should be a manageable number hopefully we have green flag racing the whole time um but you know when we have 50 cars in this mix that's a that's a prescription for disaster and that's what's happened at vir multiple times and i think 
I did not make it to the last VIR Super Tour event, so I'm not sure how that turned out. But I've been, you know, I've been back to VIR four times. Three of the times it's rained, and uh, three of the times we hardly had any green flag racing. So it was very disappointing. And when right. that happens, it's not good for anybody. You sure. know, it makes the Super Tours look bad. Drivers are disappointed. So. Yeah, and, and you are in a group where the risk reward is really high for contact. So you know, it, even though it happens, and it, it, it's you know, formula cars have to do things a little bit differently because it could be really unfortunate if you get wheel touching and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a little bit uh, even uh, more crazy on some of the some of the sedan groups because you know you could rub and bump a little bit more without as much risk allegedly um but that just makes for more bumping sometimes and and we get the same issue right yep no that's right spec racers are notorious for rubbing and stuff the uh the the you know when you watch the imsa the pro guys do it in imsa with their four class structure and you see the speed differences there and they manage it so i mean that's the mindset i take to it hey look we're in a p1 car we're the fastest cars out here it's our job to manage our way through the track and around the slower cars without contact. Uh, and uh, by and large, I think the P1 cars do a pretty decent job at it. You know, they're expensive cars. None of us want to tear them up, the P1 or the P2 cars. So, uh, you know, it's it's our job to, to, to manage that as best we can. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to driver decision making, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and we're in a weird spot in the motorsports world because you know not a lot of race series that we watch on television do 30 minute races you know it's usually you know an hour and a half or two hours minimum and you've got at least one or two pit stops and if you make a mistake in the early part of the race you've got some time to recover in sprint racing you make a mistake on lap one or two you're probably not going to get on the podium in most cases so people get kind of this mindset that we got to do it fast and we got to do everything quick and that can lead to some trouble. Yep. Yep. Well, obviously the start is the most exciting part, the chance to make up the most spots, but also the chance to make the biggest mess of the whole thing as well. Sure. So. Yeah. A very hero to zero uh, proposition at, on the start. If you don't do it right. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Any thoughts as we get out of here about this weekend in, in Thunder Hill or the super tour in general? Well, I'd like to thank uh, San Francisco region for stepping up and really making a bold decision to host this thing. John McIntyre has been the uh, vision behind this whole event. It was brought to my attention last fall that they were talking about doing something. And uh, I think the original thought was maybe trying to do it just as you know, San Francisco region hosting it on their own. I said, no, no, no. If we're going to do this, we've got to pair this up with a super tour event. So we're bringing the best competitors you know, and and the broadcast team and guys like yourself come to announce it. I mean, that's what makes this thing special is having cameras around and announcers and some real excitement. Uh, we were hoping to make the five mile, you know, Sunday finale an extra super tour race. And maybe next year we'll be able to accomplish that. But the, the whole point of it is that it's all about finishing uh, high points finishes because it's all three races that count for the Western shootout winner. And it's a winner's only event. So, uh, you know, no podiums. It's, it's all or nothing in that deal. Well, that's a lot of cool going on. And I'm, I'm looking forward to making the big trek up. You've only got a couple of hours to go tonight. 
I've got an eight-hour drive tomorrow morning to get there. But uh, I've heard a lot of good things about Thunder Hill, and and I've never been there before. So I look forward to this will be my second new track I'm clicking off the this year. Uh, I had never been to Hallett either and had a blast in Oklahoma. So I'm looking forward to clicking another one off the list here and, and getting up there. Uh, for those who are, are looking to watch on the live stream, all three days are going to be broadcast. Uh, we're going to do our normal coverage on, on Thursday and I'm sorry, on Friday and Saturday. And then uh, we will do our, uh, our regular coverage. Uh, I'm sorry, on Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, uh, we're going to have just the races. We're not going to do qualifying on Saturday, on Sunday. So, because it's really not qualifying, it's just practice sessions. So, uh, we'll put out some posts on the Facebook page and a bunch of other uh, places so you know where to find the events, uh, where all the links are. Uh, and uh, and also, not to um, pat myself and the whole crew on our shoulders too much, uh, but, uh, Jim, we were talking beforehand. At Hallett, we crossed over 100,000 streams, uh, people clicking and watching us uh, from Sebring through Hallett. Uh, we've had over 100,000 people watch the uh, the live stream coverage of the SCCA. And uh, I, for one, I mean, I'm part of it, so I'm a little biased, but I think that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it really is. Let's hope we get 100,000 for this weekend. Oh, well, that, you know what? All we have to do is have you put it out on your social media because I know you've got a huge fan base, and uh, we should be able to jump over 100,000 without any problems. Yep. We're trying to do the driver's eye camera in our car. Oh, cool. Hopefully we get that all squared away tomorrow, you know, and during the practice day, test day stuff. So we're not sure. We've never tried it before, but we're hoping to have a driver's eye camera in our car. A anybody who wants to do that, by the way, um, get a hold of us. You can call, you can send an email to supertouranouncers at gmail.com and I'll get it over to the driver's eye guys. Um, and uh, we can help facilitate that process. Uh, the more in-car cameras we get, the better the stream is. So I'm always excited about that. So Jim, thank you. Uh, Great. good luck this weekend. Have a safe drive up tonight and, uh, I'll, I'll stop by and we'll shake hands when we get, when we get to Thunder Hill. How's that? Great. Thanks, Brian. You have a safe drive too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. That's right. going to do it for this episode of inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the racing wire podcast network and the racing network on YouTube. So you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one, if it's a bad one, put it on someone else's page. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is and leave a question on Twitter. It's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every Wednesday night on Twitter or on uh, YouTube and then every Friday on our podcast network. I'm Brian Belansky. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.